Um, you really need to hear last Sunday's to get the full meal deal. Don't leave. It'll still be good. Um, but also, um, if you could just encourage your friends, family, whoever um, that may be missing today, if they were here you know, last Sunday, to listen to both together. And this is a subject that is emotionally charged. This is a subject that is deep, that is personal. This is a subject that's not easy. And, you know, I said last Sunday, and I want to say again, that my preference really would be um, that we could sit down with a cup of coffee, mostly because I love coffee and love you, but we could sit down and and discuss this really face-to-face, and that it would be as much dialogue as you just listening. Because this is a subject that, you need to ask, you need to ask questions. You need to learn from the scripture. You need to get closer to God through it. You need to test it. You need to put it to use. It's not beneficial to you if you just listen to it. It's only beneficial if you're putting it to use and putting it to the test. Um, And Rebecca, myself, or your small group leaders would have books that we could recommend that you could read in conjunction with the Bible studies that we're laying out about this subject. But I'm not going to try to pretend that this is something that's easy. I think um, it's possible, sure, that we could pretend that we're all good. But the truth of the matter is that every person in this room has to wrestle with this issue in their life. And that every person in this room has to come to grips with the truth that God presents. And so last Sunday, we talked about God's forgiveness of us. And this Sunday, I want to talk about what we take away from that and how we apply it to our lives. I I talked a little bit last Sunday about how it's kind of like we are trying to row a sailboat in how we're doing life. You see, we got oars here, not getting a lot of progress with oars. And... When Jesus invades human history with who he is and how he lived and everything that he did and what he said about forgiveness, it's like, and we read the scripture last week of Jesus saying, come to me, those who labor, those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We read the scriptures with Jesus calling us to this life with him. And it's as though Jesus comes to us and says, I want to show you a better way to get progress in your life. And that better way is forgiveness. You're still in the boat. You're still involved. Last Sunday, we looked at the scripture about working out our salvation and and God really speaking directly to us about our responsibility and our involvement in our own lives. Christianity is not something where you just check the box and check out. It's not. It requires our involvement, our engagement. It is a personal relationship between you and God. And thank Father God for His Son Jesus and how He makes that possible. But it is up to us, it is upon us to receive His forgiveness. And not only to check the box mentally, but to process what that means to taste and see that God is good, to digest that truth, to allow the truth that we are forgiven to really change us. And being forgiven is not a simple thing. In fact, unfortunately today, very few Christian 
authors that are living today really agree on what forgiveness means and what the definition of it is. It's one reason why I prefer to spend most of my time in the scriptures and then some time with things that Christians wrote more than 200 years ago and then a lesser amount of time and energy on things that Christians who are still living write. Now, you guys know, both of my parents are published Christian authors, and I, I'm for things that are being written now, and I'm for things that are new, obviously. I mean, God's got something new for us every day. We sing new songs all the time, always pushing. Didn't the band do great today? Yeah? We're always for something that's new. But the fact of the matter is, is that the best material is the stuff that's more than 200 years old that still works. And when it comes to forgiveness, I think we need to come back to the basics and to really define it. Does that sound good? Does that make sense? So last Sunday, I gave you some homework, some scriptures to read, um, to consider. And I want to go to those scriptures and just have a look at them and see what God says to us, okay? So we're going to start with Ephesians. If you need a Bible, Jimmy's been walking around. Uh, Just wave your hand and Jimmy will put a Bible uh, in your hand. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 to get us started. You got to kind of flip the other direction from uh, Genesis. We go to the right hand side. You get Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, so if you're at Corinthians, you're not far enough. And if you hit Colossians, you've gone too far. We're going to go Ephesians chapter four and verse thirty-two. I'm going to read from the New Living. Ephesians chapter four and verse thirty-two. This one I actually don't need to turn to because this was the first verse my mom had me memorize. Okay, you ready? Okay. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So this is a directive to us. Saying, some of you have been here long enough to remember that this letter to the believers in Ephesus is kind of split in two halves. The first half is about what it is to be a Jesus follower, and the second half is what it is to do being a Jesus follower. And so we're in this section of the to-do, and in this section of to-do, Paul tells the people that he led to, to Jesus and the, the other believers, just like you and I, the important stuff. The verse before this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all kinds of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 3. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Great Great chapter, Colossians 3.16, echoing Jesus' words in John 3.16. But let's go before that and read verse 13. Okay, Colossians 3 and verse 13. Are you there? Okay. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Hey, you know, there's some stuff in the Bible you just wish wasn't there. Yeah, people recite the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. But you know that what's embedded right in the, the, the cleanup spot, in the anchor spot of that prayer that Jesus teaches us, which is a power tool in your life. Forgive us as we forgive. Forgive us as we forgive. Okay, so let's go to Jesus. 
It's all about Jesus. Jesus be the center of the church. Matthew 18. Some of you have been in this church long enough to know that at least once a year, I preach on this passage. I really believe that this passage, I have seen in, in the number of churches that I've been in, every church that's growing, that's a place people want to be, people understand how to put this passage to use. Okay? Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to read a chunk today. We're going to go from verse 15 to verse 35. Okay? Matthew 18, verse 15 to verse 35. Are you there? Yeah, yeah? Okay. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other believer listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Have any of you heard that quoted out of context? This is about forgiveness now, people. We've got to look at the plain, simple truth of what Jesus is really talking about. Don't go asking for your pink Cadillac. Okay, verse 21. Then Peter, we remember him, right? And Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And in the street Greek, Peter's actually talking about within one day. Okay, that's, that's the street Greek is what, G, what Peter said. No, not seven times Jesus replied, but 70 times seven in that day. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master, filled with pity for him, released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will repay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus has fun, but he don't play. So Jesus is talking to Peter, his followers, the disciples, friends, those who were gathered around there. He's talking to the first pastor of the church. That's who he's talking to. 
right? And he's saying, this is what I will do to you if you don't forgive. Now, just real quick, let's revisit what we talked about last Sunday about God's forgiveness for us. Functionally, what God's forgiveness for us, which is possible through Jesus, does, is it removes our guilt in a legal, in a moral way. It removes the guilt of our sin. Now, the result of our actions may still persist. There are consequences for our actions, and there may be a blank spot, kind of, if you will, when you look upon your life, even though it's confessed and forgiven by Jesus and we get to heaven, there were, there are still results. Now, where we see consequences in scripture, like David's story and others, God uses consequences to teach us, not to punish us. Okay, now I'm talking about people who are repentant. Okay, when you repent of your sin, you're forgiven of your sin, you may yet have consequences, but when you are repentant, according to the Bible, any consequences are not there to punish you, they're there to teach you for your benefit. We know that's what Jesus is the head of the church for our benefit. So God's forgiveness of us removes the guilt of the sin and restores the relationship. Okay, God, through Jesus, God has started the process of reconciling us to him so that our relationship would not be any different. I spent a little bit of time of church in the middle of the U.S. where there were two families that lived next door to each other that had uh, multiple kids. It was like four kids in one house, five kids in another, and most of them were boys. And so they're playing together all the time, having a great time, a lot of them the same age. Now, one of the boys was... Um, severely developmentally challenged. I don't know what all the medical um, issues were, but he was developmentally challenged. And this is kind of out in the sticks, um, and there's you know guns around and whatnot. And at one point, the boys got a hold of a gun, and they were playing around with the gun. And the boy who was developmentally challenged had the gun in his hand, and he was joking around with the other boys, and he pointed it at one of the other family's sons, and he said, I'm going to shoot you. He pulled the trigger and killed the other boy. Now, those two families had a lot of choices to make. I, I met those families. I got to know those families. I asked them questions about their story. And I was there probably about a year and a half after this happened. And they were, the families are very much a part of this church and involved with the pastor. And, of course, had to, the police had to be involved. There's full investigation and the, the boy's, you know, words quoted and analysis of his mental state and all these other things. But the, with the help of Jesus and with the help of the pastor, the two families made a decision that there was going to be forgiveness, that they were going to love each other, and that they were going to work it out together. And that neither family would let the other family leave the church. You know, sometimes when there's something very severe like this that happens, people will come to a place and they'll say, well, I think it's maybe best if we're just, we don't have to see each other that much. I forgive you, I love you, but maybe it's best that we don't have to see each other that much. And so they'll separate. Now, these two families made a decision that they're going to stay in those houses, living next to each other. They're going to stay in this church, and they're going to work out this forgiveness thing together. They saw the forgiveness that God gives us not only removes the guilt but restores the relationship. Now, I know that some of us are already feeling a lot of emotion 
and you're concerned about what I'm going to say and what it's going to mean. I understand that. And I think that the complexity of real-world forgiveness does mean that there are times where the relationship doesn't continue to exist in the same way, and there's biblical parameters for that, and so there's a lot that can be discussed. And forgiveness does not mean that you necessarily are continuing to put yourself in a place where you're harmed. Okay? That's not biblical guidance. Okay? But Jesus is here as the head of the church to help, and Jesus provides other believers in your life to help walk out what it means and how to make it work. Okay? So that goes way beyond what we have the time to discuss right here and right now. You hear what I'm saying? And that's a part of why I said what I did in the introduction. But it's important for us to learn how God's forgiveness really works. And I don't know about you, but I see God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve and coming down to earth and talking to people and sending his son Jesus to walk and talk and be hugged and be high-fived by people. God wants relationship with us. And he's done a lot to restore that relationship. And that's the way his forgiveness really works. Now, we use this kind of working definition because I think it's fine for us to have a positive emotion about forgiveness, but I think it's also helpful for us to have a little bit more precise understanding of what that means. God's forgiveness is a commitment from God, the one true living God who created the world, to pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they are reconciled to Him. It is helpful for us to understand that those who reject Him, and the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. God wants everyone to repent, to come to faith in Him, and to experience forgiveness. But the reality is, is that not all do. Some will yet be in hell, and those who are in hell are not forgiven. We, we need to understand with a little bit more precision, and not just a warm, fuzzy, cotton candy, mile-wide, inch-deep understanding of Christianity in the Scripture. God is a forgiving God. He loves all. He paid the price to forgive all. But those who reject Him and are in hell will be under His wrath and not under His forgiveness. Okay? So that's an important piece to this puzzle. Now, we've just read these scriptures and understand that we have an instruction as believers to forgive, to be kind, to be forgiving each other to be forgiving everyone at all times, always seeking for that restoration in relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And that Jesus said this is a very serious thing. And that Jesus gave us instructions about how to go about it, right? So let's talk a little bit real quick about repentance because I think that will help us functionally and help you understand how you work out relationships. We're all human, there's not a single perfect person in this room. And that means that if we're, we do life together enough and not just show up for this event, but actually do life together, Ed and Carol, Steve and Melinda out partying together, you know, if we're doing that kind of couples thing we do as a church, double dating as couples, right? At some point, we're going to offend each other. We're going to hurt each other. And God's intent is not that we be doing life hurt, angry, lonely, tired. And when we allow unforgiveness to fester in us, that's where we end up. Hurt, angry, lonely, and tired. It's not God's intent. 
right? A better life is possible. When Jesus said, I came to give you life and that to the full, it wasn't just, I'm going to give you more than you need in the way of money and cars and clothes. Hello? I'm going to show you a better way. That's Jesus' way. So, as relates to our receiving forgiveness for God and receiving forgiveness from each other, here's what repentance looks like. It's on the screen. To repent, you guys hear me say this on a regular basis as we explain the gospel and salvation, means to turn around, right? I was going this way, pursuing myself, my selfish desires and everything, and I turn around and now I'm going this way. I confess my sins, I confess my faith in Jesus. To turn around in actions and attitude. When someone says, hey, you jacked me up when you said that, or you hurt me, or it seems like every Tuesday you send me a mean text message, or whatever it is that they say that you do that's wrong, I don't get texts on Tuesdays from anyone every week, so don't, I'm not talking about you. All right, so whatever it is that they tell you that you do is wrong, when you consider what it is and you repent, this is what it means. It means that you are going to change your actions and your attitude. When Jesus calls us to forgive the repentant, that's what he's talking about. You forgive someone who changes, they turn around, they change their actions and their attitudes to change their behavior as a result of a complete change of thinking and attitude. Now one thing, just like the grammar when Jesus talks about salvation being, I have been saved, I am now being saved, and I will yet be saved. Almost every occasion in the scriptures of Jesus talking about salvation, he's talking in that grammar. It's not a one-time event, it is throughout your life as you respond to him. Does that make sense? Okay, so repentance is the same way. I have repented, I am now repenting, and I will yet repent. You don't repent just one time for doing something wrong. Okay? Now, I've, I'm, I'm not a violent person. I've never punched or, or hit my wife or children, okay? But if that was my deal, and I get, I just, you know, once a month I have my male menopause PMS moment, and I'm angry and hangry and frustrated, and I were to slap... Um, uh, one of my family members, if I'm going to repent and ask for forgiveness, that means that I don't hit them that day or the next day or the next day or the next day. You know what I mean? Now, for me, I've studied the scripture enough to know what heaven is going to be like. We're going to recognize each other. You might be in your glorified body and go, Whoo, you look good. But we will recognize each other and we will have memories. So one reason I treat my wife good is because I know nobody in this room knows me like her. And when we get to heaven, I want to celebrate some good memories. Because in heaven, we will be neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, right? And we will have things that we can still do and learn and celebrate. Am I making any sense? Okay, read your Bible. This is is true. It's good stuff. So... Out of a reverence for what God has done for me through Jesus and out of a respect for what our future will be. Because like it or not, believe it or not, we all going to die, right? Or Jesus will come back and it'll all be over. But one way or another, this life on this earth is going to come to an end. And if I'm smart, I'm thinking ahead and I am being nice to people because God was nice to me and it pays, 
It's good. It's a smart thing to do. We talked about last week, following Jesus is right, because God created this world. It can end your life at any moment. And it's best. It's the best thing. It is like on the toothpaste tube, four best results roll up from the bottle. I don't know anybody who does that, but that's what you, right? Four, there's Chris. Four best results. Following Jesus is the four best results of your life. Make sense? Now, let's go to what Jesus had to say in Matthew 18, and let's talk about how this works. Okay? Let's talk about forgiveness and how this works. So you notice, for starters, that throughout Scripture we're told, if we need help, ask for it. You got me? Right? And that God's in control. You remember two Sundays ago? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And how many of you know if you live a little life and you get hurt, and I have been hurt and hurt deeply, right, as a child and as an adult, you do a little life, you get hurt, this forgiveness thing, it's not easy. Especially if we're trying to do it in our own strength. We make a huge mistake if we make forgiveness dependent on how we feel and what we think we're capable of. You notice that God's forgiveness of us is not about His feelings. And God does have feelings. If you're like me and you're in the Old Testament part of your Read Through the Bible in a Year program, you're like, man, God's an angry dude. Right? God's got feelings. But God's forgiveness of us is not dependent on His feelings. It is a commitment to graciously pardon us, those who are repentant. So when I forgive somebody else, the first thing that I need to do, right? Whether you're thumb punching notes into your phone or taking a picture of it or writing it down, this is a good thing to learn. Come on, people, right? The first thing I should do is ask God for help. Because you won't even start the forgiveness process if you're depressed and feel incapable. Am I the only one? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you've been hurt to the point where there's no way I can forgive. Like, okay, I'll forgive that person who's stepping on my toe, but there's no way I can forgive that. And we don't talk about it, and we come to church, and we act like we're a better person. But And I just want to say something. We're pretty much all core members of the church here today. I want to give you a little spiritual. We're 101. Let's go some 201, maybe 401 real quick. Okay. God is real. The devil and his agents are real. And in the last six weeks of this church, we've seen more demonic activity than we've seen in the last four years combined. And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you, God is in control. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. The Bible says we resist the devil and he will flee. It's that simple, but you got to resist. There is nothing that I have seen that will open you up to the effects of our enemy more than unforgiveness. Allowing those deep, dark, old things in your life to sit and stew, that will open you up to the evil one more than anything else. I've seen it over and over and over. And all we got to do is submit to God and ask for His help. Ask God for help. God, I can't. God, I don't have it in me. God, I can't, I can't even talk about it. Well, there's a good reason to be baptized in the Holy Spirit right there. Because then you've got the ability to pray beyond your own ability to pray in English. Okay? You gotta, God, help! If that's all you can say, say that. Because He knows. He knows. 
He is Yahweh Elroy, the God who sees. Not Leroy, Elroy. He is the God who sees. Okay? He's the God who sees. Ask God for help. When you ask God for help, you got to listen. Listen to what it is that He has to say. And the Bible makes it clear that we should reach out to those more spiritually mature in our life that God has put in around us. And I don't talk about these scriptures too much because it sounds a little self-aggrandizing because I'm your pastor. But the truth of the matter is is that the Bible says that God has put spiritual leaders in our life for a purpose and that we are to put them to the test. We are to put them to use. We are to ask them for help. Ask God and ask your spiritual leaders for help. Not gossip. Help. Ask for help and then listen to that help. I've had conversations that were not had, didn't have anything to do with the details of what needed to be forgiven. But here's a part of what happens in the conversation sometimes. Why don't you spend a little bit of time by yourself and try to figure out, are you hurt, angry, lonely, tired, what's going on? And then when you zero in on something that you're hurt or angry about, stop and think about what happened and the other person. And maybe stop and ask yourself, did they do it on purpose? Did they do it more than once? What actually happened? And on multiple occasions, I've had people realize that person didn't even know what they did. That person didn't do it on purpose. It was done on accident. I don't even need to have a big old conversation with them. I just need to receive God's healing and let it go. I'm not advocating sweeping stuff under the carpet. But I am advocating a quality relationship between you and God where you can hear God speaking to you. Engage your brain and start to think about what happened. So that obviously talks about prayer. Now, obviously, what you... Oh, you got the lights on. Um, the other thing you see below on the left-hand column is go. So Jesus says go, and what does he say? He says go privately, right? Let's just cut out any of this passive-aggressive Facebook, Twitter, social media. Ah, oh, have you ever been hurt like da 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 No, 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 no. What's Jesus saying? Go privately and what's he saying the purpose of that conversation is for restoration in the relationship that the relationship be reconciled that's the purpose and if when you go we're running low on time so let me try to be very specific here the bible calls us as believers of jesus to be humble that doesn't stop when we have conflict to be gracious That doesn't stop when we have conflict. When you go to another person, you need to consider that person, their language, their schedule, what's the best time to approach them. You need to go humble. You need to go gracious. And you need to go with the purpose of reconciliation. Right? How does God's forgiveness work? It removes guilt and restores the relationship. Now, the process of reconciliation in a relationship is a process. It does take time. We're foolish if we just pretend that it's all good. Are you listening? Well, what? That was good. Okay? It's a process. But we got to go, go privately. If it doesn't work, what do we do? Then we go get somebody else, right? And then we explain the situation to the other person after we first have gone privately. Now listen, you can come to me and sin and I will love you and I will forgive you and I will help you. But you can bank on it that if you come to me with an issue, one of my first questions is going to be, have you spoken with them? 
And let me tell you something. If that is our commitment as a church to each other, that that will be the way we handle stuff. And someone, ah, I didn't like the way they, da, 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 da. If we start with, did you speak with them? We will be a better family. Do you hear me? We will be a better family. This is a no gossip zone. Right? It might happen in the movies when we leave, but this is a no gossip zone. Are you with me? You okay to commit to that? I'm asking you, if this is your home church, I'm asking you to commit to that. All right? So then we take someone else, and then if taking someone else doesn't work, then we go to the church. You know, it's interesting. I've not had, well, maybe I shouldn't say it too quickly. I can hardly remember anyone that's followed this process and it's gotten to that point. Okay? But church discipline, it's in the Bible, it's recommended. Okay? You could take somebody else, that doesn't work, then we involve the church. Okay? And again, what's the purpose? Restoration. It's a reconciliation in the relationship. Now, there are times you see let go up there. I don't have time today. But there is a process to thinking through. Jesus is talking about an offense. And it is possible to become too sensitive. It's possible to, and then like, I got a legal case for everything. Listen, the Bible says that as believers, we're supposed to believe the best and keep no record of wrong. Now, myself, your small group leader, someone can help you so that you're not putting yourself in a place where you're harmed. God loves you. He cares about you. He doesn't want you in a situation where you're being harmed because you're trying to believe the best. If the person's proving that they're an abuser, we get out. Hello? You can forgive and still protect the investment that God has already put in you. Are you with me? Okay, this is very, very important. And then we reconcile. Now, I want to just... Describe this in a little bit more detail. We're going to close in prayer. When I forgive, is this helpful today? Okay. When I forgive, this is a commitment that I'm making. I believe that this holds up to scripture, okay? When I forgive you, this is what I'm saying. I will not dwell on this incident. Okay. Now that means that for me, when it hurts again in the future, I don't have to call you back up and say, and go back over it. You hurt me and da, 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 and I need you to repent again. No, we had the conversation once. How many times does God ask you to repent of your sins? I have a lot of Catholic friends, but we are not Catholic. I believe there'll be a lot of them in heaven, but we are not, we don't believe that you confess for a sin over and over and over. Hello? I confess for my sins how many times? Once. So when we reconcile the relationship, we do that once. Now, it will hurt again. Remember what we talked about in God's forgiveness. God gave His Son Jesus. Do you think that He felt that pain? Forgiveness is not cheap. It's it's not free. And God's love is not unconditional. That's not in the Bible. Now, it's bigger than anything else. God's bigger than our minds can hold. He wants to forgive everyone. And I believe we err on the side of limiting what we think His forgiveness can do. That's our mistake. But the truth of the matter is, that's not the way that God works. God loves us. He cares for us. We reconcile once and then we make this commitment. I will not dwell on this incident. I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. Anyone married in the room? Well, what? 
Now, Rebecca and I still will fall into that once in a while. We've got to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. It's done. It's forgiven. Remember that time, you, you know, right? And so now, like, doesn't even need to be said. Like, sometimes I, I won't try to get, I really don't like malls. I really don't. We went to the mall yesterday, and it was a sign of my love for my family. I don't always push to get the parking spot closest. And that irritates my wife. Can I just be honest? Just go try. And I know it does. And so I've apologized. And so she don't even have to say it anymore. Right? I just know that if I don't go and try for the closest spot, that she's feeling it. And so what happened? We went to the mall. We looked. There was, oh my word, the place was mobbed. There's people everywhere. So I said, let me take you up to the curb. So I took her and the kids up to the curb. and said, you know, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> and as Rebecca always does, she prayed for a parking spot. I turned left. Here's the handicapped spot. Second, third, somebody's pulling out. There I go. Right in the spot. Right up there. I mean, only if I'd gotten myself a handicap sticker with my surgery could I have been closer. Well, actually, somebody was in that spot anyway. So she doesn't, we don't even have to talk about it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But forgiveness is perpetual. It doesn't stop. It's a, not based on our feelings. Now, God's not trivializing your feelings. He wants to heal your feelings. And He wants you to bring your feelings under control. Right? The feelings are still going to come up, but that does not put an expiration date on your forgiveness. I don't know why they still brand milk cartons. That's a subject for another day. That's a very serious way of marking an expiration date. Right? Right? So, it doesn't put an expiration date on our forgiveness. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on emotions. I will not bring up this incident again. I keep no record of wrong. I will not talk to others about this incident or post on social media. I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. Are you with me? Listen, in this church, in total, the 87 people, not counting pets, but babies and everyone that call this their church home, we are extremely diverse in economics, education, and ethnicity. If we're going to be successfully an example of Jesus' love for each other, we're going to have to learn how to deal with offending each other. It's like marriage. You don't take the ring off. In this church, and this is what people do all the time. They get hurt, and what do they do? They just never show up again. Hello? I mean, I'm nice, and I'm nice when people come back in the door, but you think I don't notice? Of course I do. We reach out and try to help people. But when it comes to doing life with other believers, what Jesus is saying is you don't take the ring off. We don't. Or what will happen? We'll come before the judgment seat, and what will he say? You wouldn't forgive, I won't forgive. Whoa. Now, I'm going to close with this uh, further clarification. By making and keeping these promises, you can tear down the walls that stand between you and your offender. You promise not to dwell on or brood over the problem or to punish by holding the person at a distance. 
When there's deep, dark childhood stuff in your past, at some point you need to sit down with another believer, get it all out, and pray, and go back to that moment when you were hurt, where you're holding somebody else hostage. And what you have to do is imagine that that person, whoever hurt you, is in a jail cell, and you're holding the key that is your right to punish them. And what you have to do is say, Here, God, you take the key. You do what you want to do with them. I let go. We've got to come to that place. That's where real healing is. Not to punish by holding the other person at a distance. You clear the way for your relationship to develop unhindered by memories of past wrongs. This is exactly what God does for us, and it is what He calls us to do for, for others. Now, real quick, in closing, Rebecca's going to close us in prayer. How do you respond to the unrepentant? Remember Jesus said at the end, what do you do if they still are not down with it? The reality is, is God created us with a free will. Some people are not going to choose to receive your, for your apology. Some people will choose to not be a participant in this forgiveness thing. How do you respond? Well, to summarize what the Bible says, we resolve to not take revenge. Remember that whole Jesus thing about love your enemies? As you love yourself. God, there he goes again, Jesus, saying that stuff. Resolve to not take revenge, but proactively show love. So when somebody is not apologetic, that's what we've got to do. I want you to think about, I want you to pray about, what are the results of forgiveness and what are the results of unforgiveness? Rebecca, come and uh, lead us in prayer, if you forgive me.